0: Is this is sitting here in limbo. This is a very un- Willie Nelson-like song. Yeah, but it's by the Redheaded Stranger, right? This is he sitting in limbo. Well, they're putting up resistance. I see you picked music appropriate for St. Patrick's will Day. Uh, Willie O. Nelson. You know, I mean, he likes the green. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who doesn't? So it's our second time talking to a true living legend. We don't get to speak to many living legends. And the older I get, I'm 51 now, the more important it is for me to celebrate living legends while they're still living. My personal opinion, you don't have to feel the same way and that's fine. It's a travesty that this man is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, he should be enshrined already for what he accomplished on the baseball field.
1: Well, some people would argue that the WWE Hall of Fame is more impressive than the Baseball Hall of Fame. Who would those people be that would argue that? Myself and many others out there. It is, you know, it's like the most watched television show every week on TV. A lot of people out there.
0: So this Sunday, you'll have the opportunity to check out Pete Rose, Tim McCarver, Bob Boone, Larry Boa, and Greg Luzinski at the Ruth Eckert Hall, a magnificent venue, as they partner up with the Ted Williams Museum. And they'll have the Phillies' 40th anniversary of the 1980 World Championship with special guests, the ones I mentioned, and former Philadelphia Phillies, Cincinnati Red, and for a brief stint, Montreal Expos. Pete Rose, all-time hit leader. Hey, Pete, thanks a lot for joining us again, man. Really great to speak with you.
2: Well, it's it's great to speak with you guys. And, of course, uh, I spent a lot of time in Tampa, Florida. I mean, that's where the Reds trained, hell from 1963 to 1986. Then I went to uh, Plant City for a couple years when I was manager of the Reds. Uh, Then I went to uh, West Palm one year with Montreal. And, of course, I had five years over – at uh, Jack Russell Stadium in Clearwater with the Phillies. So I'm pretty up to speed on what's going on in South Florida, especially on the Tampa side.
0: Hell yeah, man. Well, it's nice to have you back in the area this Sunday for sure. And I wanted to start off with an observation, and you tell me how right or wrong I am. To me, the skill of hitting a baseball is something that very few people on the planet can do, let alone do well. You, arguably the greatest hitter ever to to grace this you know this earth of ours. Um, I think there's something in your mind that thrives on instincts and impulses, and maybe the same thing that drives you towards betting on sports, that buzz that you get yeah. made you really yeah. good at hitting a baseball too. Is that inaccurate or, or did I kind of stumble? Well,
2: you're probably right because when I was betting on baseball, uh, I was through hitting a baseball or swinging at a baseball. Uh, you know, I retired as a player and, uh, I just needed something extra and, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here on your show and complain about the hall of fame, uh, because I'm the one that screwed that up. And, uh, if it ever happens, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. But meantime, I can't, uh, I can't keep complaining about not being in Cooperstown because I'm the one that screwed it up. So if they ever have a change of heart, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. But there again, I'm running out of time. Everybody runs out of time. And, uh, you know, here's the deal. I'm not going to go to sleep tonight and, and, and pray that I go to the Hall of Fame tomorrow. When I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to pray that I get up tomorrow. That's, <laughs> that's, it. that's where we are. And uh, You know, I know all the guys in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, I play with most of them. You know, I start playing at 63. So the first Hall of Fame class was 68, and that was Stan Usual. I played against him. And probably every Hall of Famer since then, up till maybe 20 years ago. You know, because I retired in 1986 as a player. So anybody that made the Hall of Fame from 68 to, to 86, I played against or with. There's a, like uh, that. That's a lot of Hall of Famers.
0: That is a lot. And there's a self-awareness to you that I really find refreshing. In this fake world we have right now, Pete, you have an authenticity to you where you admit what you did. You're sorry for what you did. You you accept yeah the repercussions for it. But at the same time, you know, when we look at performers who maybe juiced up a little bit or juiced some bats or pitchers who dinged up a baseball, sure, they had an unfair advantage maybe on the baseball diamond. You didn't have any unfair advantages when you're staring down Nolan Ryan or anybody like that trying to hit a baseball, right?
2: Well, I had an advantage that most guys don't have. And that's, uh, I was confident and, and and I knew what I was doing. I knew I, I knew what my my job was when I got in a batter's box. And you got to understand, guys, I almost made 10,000 outs because baseball is the only sport, it's a failing game. It's the only game, to my knowledge, that you can fail seven out of ten times and go to the Hall of Fame. What other (laughs) occupation? If LeBron James shoots three out of (laughs) ten, or if Tom Brady completes three out of ten, are we buying their jerseys? (laughs) No, but baseball is three out of ten. You know, it's not three out of ten. It's a little leaguer, or a high school player, or a college player. But once you get to the professional ranks, it's three out of ten, and you can wave the flags because you're you're going to Joyland. Man, that's a great way
0: of looking at it. It's kind of crazy. We're speaking with the legendary. It is
2: kind of crazy.
0: Oh yeah, we're speaking with the legendary. And, and I'm
2: and I'm looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, uh, down there in Tampa because uh, yeah, we had a great year in 1980 with the Phillies, and actually we we're supposed to have this celebration last year. So this is probably the 41st year uh, that we're celebrating the 1980 World Series, and I, I think why it was so important to so many people in in Delaware Valley is the fact that uh, they waited 86 years for a World Championship. That's a long time to wait for a championship. Hell yeah! And and I tell you what, if you, if you analyze or go back to 1980. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough, I believe, to play in the, the greatest World Series ever, the Reds and the Red Sox. Mm. But I think I played in the greatest playoff ever, the, uh, the Phillies and the Houston Astros in 1980. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure in the playoff when you only play five games. You know, World Series are seven games, yep. and some of the playoffs now are seven games. Because you're in a five-game playoff, brother, and you lose game one, you got to win three out of four. And usually when you're in the playoffs, if not all the time, you're playing a really good team on the other side of the ball. So it's hard to sweep any good team three out of four. So you, you, you've you got to win that first game to have a chance to win the playoffs. And I've been in eight playoffs, so I know a little bit about that, and I've been in a four-game World Series, a five-game World Series, a six-game World Series, and a seven-game World Series. So I, I know a little bit about what it takes to get over the hump.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. We're speaking with the legendary Pete Rose. Go see him this Sunday as they celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1980 Phillies World Championship. John Senning, what do you got for Pete Rose?
1: Pete, I'm a huge fan of your work inside the ring. People may not know you were the first ever inductee into the celebrity wing of the WWE Uh Hall of Fame. Uh And I have to ask the question, what was more painful, the stink face from Rikishi or the tombstone pile driver from Kane?
2: Uh, well, we, I didn't have to rehearse the stinky face. Yeah. All I had to do was, all I do is, brought myself up. And that kind of surprised me because I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh, you know, okay. But I knew the tombstone and the choke Were slam. Were you pissed? Let me, tell you <laughs> let me tell you something about WWE. Okay, and I did three or four WrestleManias, and I believe we got one coming up in Tampa, yeah. Florida, if I'm not mistaken. You're yeah, there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, it's the greatest entertainment in the world, and I never. Of all the guys I met, and I met them all, I never met a wrestler that wasn't a nice guy backstage. Stone Cold, John Cena, Big Show, Undertaker, you know, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H. I mean, Pat Patterson. These guys are all great people in the back, and they're all concerned about injury when they when, when they're out there in the ring because those guys are pretty good athletes, and all I can tell you about the wrestling moves is blood is real. The blood is real. When you see someone bleeding like a stuffed hog, it's real. (laughs) And what happens is these guys wrestle so much, they get the scar tissue on their heads or their ears. And all you got to do is just take your thumb and go like that and make them bleed. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I said right off stage, you know when they always come down the tunnel, there's two guys running the show. If you ever notice, if you watch WWE today, the referee has always got an ear plug in okay and the people running the show will tell him when it's time to count somebody out oh. So everything is programmed, and they do a great job.
0: Man, I, I, this is something I did not know about wrestling. I'd like to take you back to early uh, 1978, the year I was in Framingham, Massachusetts. And nowadays, uh-huh. uh, athletes and endorsements go hand in hand. Back in your day, an athlete had to hump it to get an endorsement. And you, yeah. it, I love you one of my favorite beverages that has ever been on this planet. And not a lot of people might know this, but Pete had his own chocolate-flavored beverage in <laughs> 1978 in Cincinnati. Please tell me how that came to be, and were I, you satisfied with just, the taste? Yeah.
2: Somebody just came to me with a chocolate drink, and they wanted to call it Pete. <laughs> and I liked it can because it had a head-first slide on it. And I said, sure, I'll endorse it. I like chocolate. So that's how that happened. That's, that's, uh, you know, I, I think I actually did 10 or 12 national commercials. uh. You know, I, I did Aqua Velvet three or four years in a row. Oh, yeah. I did it with Canela Hutton. I did it with Joe Morgan. I did it with Vic K. Back, who used to be oh, Mel and Mel, Mel Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So uh, in those years, you got three or four years to do the commercials. And <laughs> as long as you kept doing well on the field, which I normally did, even when I had an off year, it wasn't a bad year. You know, if I was playing today, I'd make a lot of money because I would i would never lose an arbitration. You know, instead of getting two hundred hits, I get one hundred ninety, or instead of you know scoring hundred runs, I score ninety. So that's those were still good years. So uh, it was just fun playing the game of baseball, and and there again, my teammates helped too. Sure. You know, I was on a good team. I was on a really good team—the Big Red Machine. Oh, man. You know, I, I'll never tell you we were the best team ever, but I will tell you one thing. The, the Big Red Machine was the most entertaining team ever. Yep. We had Golden Glovers. We had batting champions. We had home run champions, RBI champions, uh, Golden Glove shortstop, second base catcher, center fielder, flamboyant manager, and we had a great place to play, Riverfront Stadium. So it it, it all clicked together, and, and that's why I was happy to go to Philadelphia because uh, – Philadelphia is like the second team for the Reds. Yeah. Instead of Conception, I had Boa. Yeah. Okay. Instead of instead of Schmidt, I had me. Yeah. Instead of Lozinski, I had Bolster. Okay. Yeah. Instead of Perez, uh, you know, I had the other first baseman up there with the uh, Phillies. So good players on both teams. You know, guys, I actually played with uh, with twelve Hall of Fame players. Listen, to this—if we got a moment, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go uh, over a lineup. All okay, right. that I played with, these are my teammates. Johnny Bench, catcher. Mike Schmidt, third base. Barry Larkin, short. Joe Morgan, second. <laughs> Tony Perez, first. Frank Robinson, left. Tim Raines, center. Andre Dawson, right. Left-hand pitcher, Steve Carlton. <laughs> Right-hand pitcher, uh, Tom Seaver. Jeez. That was my teammates. <laughs> I, I couldn't even make that team. <laughs> <laughs> John- I mean, think about how many good players... I got to hang around with as a player. That's a lot. Every position. Every position on the field. And I don't think anybody else can say that. Uh, you know, because the, the positions is hard. Or second base is shortstop. So a lot of third-base Hall of Famers, a lot of first-base Hall of Famers. Not a lot of catching Hall of Famers, okay? Right. A lot of outfield Hall of Famers. But uh, to have a Hall of Fame player as your team, t- teammate at every position is pretty remarkable.
0: Joe Morgan had that ostrich uh, move. I, I remember as a kid watching him, that crazy little move that he would do with his elbow. Uh, what, do you know what was up? Because as a kid, I was fascinated by it. He was the only player I saw in MLB who would kind of click his elbow twice like, a, like an ostrich flap before he hit the ball.
2: Yeah, you know, I watched him do that thousands of times. Do you know Joe didn't even know he did that? <laughs> what? It's one of those things you just do. You, you do it so much, it just becomes a habit. I asked Joe many times, why do you do that? He said, I don't even know I do it. <laughs> I so they asked me, why would you crouch so low? I didn't even know I did it. I was just trying to be comfortable inside the batter's box. Oh, man. That's one of the secrets to hitting, yeah. is getting in that batter's box and being comfortable. You know, it's just like, if you've got a headache, you can't sleep. Yeah, you can't I... sleep in the chair. Our grandma's skin. Some people sleep on their back. Some people sleep on their sti- side. Yeah. Some on their stomach. He's right you know so it's
0: just different that uh that crouched over stance was great for me because when i played Pee Wee league baseball even though as a red Sox fan i was fascinated by your ability to hit the ball in that stance and i was about three foot nothing i was a real short kid so i found if i went into that pete rose stance there's no way a pitcher could hit my strike zone at six years old i'd be on first base every damn time <laughs> let those kids call me a pussy for not swinging my bat i don't care it,
2: what in Isn't that funny? I'm I'm going at 5 o'clock today to watch my grandson play t-ball, and he's six years old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Life's crazy, Pete. We're speaking with the legendary Pete Rose. You can see him this Sunday at Ruth Eckert Hall, a magnificent venue. As Ruth Eckert Hall and the Ted Williams Museum announces the Phillies' 40th anniversary of the 1980s World Championship with Pete, Tim McCarver, Bob Boone, Larry Boa, and Greg
1: Luzinski. John Senning, what you got? Pete, you know, uh, you mentioned the big show. Not sure if you, uh, you are familiar with the fact that he jumped ship to AEW, the other big name in the wrestling business now. Is there any chance we can see a Pete Rose appearance in the competitor to WWE that is AEW?
2: Hey, listen, guys. Hey. I'm seventy-nine years old. Don't put me through that. Okay? <laughs> <Wait. laughs> hey, Tombstone me right now. I wouldn't be able to walk for a week.
1: Wait. <laughs> uh, uh, we have the world's greatest hitter ever to hit John, and you're asking well, him wrestling questions. Well, you know, I see. You know, I, I came up through a different time. I mean, when, when I was yeah. uh, loving wrestling yeah. more than ever, this guy through the late '90s, early 2000s, was appearing on every WrestleMania. The first celebrity to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. He's, you know, that's how I. That's how I see him. I got to know these things.
2: Things. Well, you know, uh, not the Undertaker, but uh, uh, the Big Red. Kane, I mean, Glenn, Glenn. Kane. He was a hell of a guy. Yeah. I think he's a, uh, a mayor of a town now. Yeah, yeah. Kind of or something. So these guys all got personalities and and they don't really have uh, great injury, so to speak. You know, like football players doing things like that, but they're, they're very conscientious about getting hurt mm. or hurting the guy that they're playing against. And, and uh, they're athletes. I mean, they're, most of them are overweight, no question about it. That's one thing that goes with wrestling is the size. Yeah. You know, the bigger and you're not Ray Mysterio. I mean, everybody's not that agile as he is, but... Uh, but Vince is a good guy, and yeah. he knows he's in the entertainment business, and he's got a lot of fans that he entertains. Yeah,
0: that is for sure. Uh, when you had the the Pete chocolate drink, please tell me that there was a moment when you may have been a single man when you saw a young lady out somewhere, and you and you looked at her and said, "How about a little Pete in your mouth?" <laughs>
2: I can't remember ever being single
0: when I had Pete to eat and drink. <laughs> that's a that's a good answer. Uh, little trivia to see how well John Sending knows the oh, legend no. of Pete why Rose. Why are you doing this? Uh, Pete Rose more hits than anybody oh, ever. Why? How many grand slams does Pete have in his entire career? That's John. Uh, runners on first, second, and third. Bags yeah, juice, yeah. and he hits a home run. How many grand slams does Pete have in his legendary why, why are career? You, doing,
1: you didn't tell me you were going to do this. I know. I
0: like to spring things. Ninety. You. How about? You know the answer, right, Pete?
2: Yeah. Let him yeah. know. Well, I had one grand slam off of my manager, Dallas Green.
1: One. Isn't that crazy? That is that is crazy. Do
0: you remember it? Like, well, I, I, you remember listen, it well? I
2: had, or, listen, I only had 160 home runs. And your chances of hitting a grand slam are swimmer with a leadoff hitter because you've got seven, eight, nine hitting in front of you. That makes sense. It's not like you're hitting fourth or fifth where you got one, two, three hitting in front of you because one, two, three gets on base and held a lot more than seven, eight, nine. And when I played, we didn't have a DH. Oh, there was no no DH yeah. TH in the National League when I played. Yep, That's right. You understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I right. definitely do. It makes perfect sense it's, to me you, now.
2: Usually guys in your lineup aren't good hitters. Uh, they're low-average hitters that hit seventh, eighth, and ninth. Or seventh, eighth, and in the pitcher.
0: Yeah,
2: that is. A, I had, oh yeah, you had the I pitcher
0: hit. hitting in front of you for cried out loud.
2: Yeah, it, I had I had the pitcher hitting in front of me, and I had 35, 3,558 games. I had no one on base because I let off the game.
0: Damn! All right, now it makes a lot more sense. So that's
2: going to gonna, that's going to cut down your. Yeah. When you have thirty five hundred games and you have one grand slam, your first at bat. Is usually going to be a waste of that bat as far as run production.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, we are speaking with the legendary Charlie Hustle, the the, the apt nickname of a man who uh, played on the field with a lot of passion, lived his life that way as well. I think he's a role model for what you can do if you have determination, confidence, and a lot yeah. of stick to and hustle. Uh, Pete, while we've still got you here, I just want to say, regardless of what the Hall of Fame thinks, you know the impact that you had on not just baseball players, but on every young man who grew up during the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, and, uh, and as as such, I feel the need to tell you, you know it already. You are a living legend, no matter what Cooperstown might have to say or Major League Baseball might have to say. I truly hope that you get the satisfaction of, seeing, of being inducted while you're still with us. It, it would be a shame if it happened posthumously. You deserve
2: well, to walk in there. Well, it, um, the, the Hall of Fame is mostly for your fans and mostly for your family. And uh, uh, there again... Uh, I'll be the happiest guy in the world if I ever get that call where I'm going on the ballot. Just get me on the ballot one time. I've never been on the ballot. Listen to this. this. This is strange to me. Okay, I was born three miles from Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. Okay, the Reds play today at Riverfront, or Great American, and Great American Ballpark is on Pete Rose Way. Okay? I've been retired since 86. I have never been allowed to go in the Reds clubhouse or the batting cage underneath the stadium. Oh, that's insane. That's a travesty. You think think I couldn't go in that batting cage and help some young players that's playing for the Cincinnati Reds? That sucks, man. That's how how they continuously today try to punish me. Never been in the clubhouse. Never been in the batting cage. I go to the games all the time. And by the way, when I go to the games, I have to pay like everybody else. (laughs) I I went, I went to watch my son play with the reds way back when he'd made the reds. And I had to buy my own tickets to go to the game because I couldn't go on the uh, pass list.
1: Is is this just something now, because there have been many people in charge since, you know, since everything that happened, Pete, how does, how does this continually get handed down to other people who are willing to uphold uh, these ridiculous rules and, and, you know, things in place?
2: Well, I, th- I think it's just a matter of uh, people are scared to go against what the, what the first commissioner did. And I, listen, God bless Bart Giamatti. I like Bart Giamatti. I met with him a couple times on the road when I was a player and he was commissioner just to talk about how to make the game better. Okay? He did what he had to do. Okay? That's just that's just the way it is. Then all of a sudden, Faye Vincent took over. Then this guy took over. Now Mampers is taking over. And they're not going to they're not going to clean up something that one commissioner said to do it this way. That's the way I look at it. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a fraternity. Being a commissioner of baseball is a yeah. fraternity. Yeah. You don't do something that Judge Landis said to do it this way. Okay, you do it the way the guys today do it, or the way the guys did it in the 80s or the 70s or the 90s. That's just the, the way it is. And you got to live with that. I just hope that these commissioners uh, start making rule changes that help the game of baseball, help the game of baseball as far as you and I are concerned as fans, make the game better, speed up the game, make the game faster. Okay, people are starting not to go to the game of baseball because it's too damn slow. And and, and I'll defend baseball on that too because – if you're a Tampa Bay Buck a Tampa Bay uh, baseball fan, and you go to a game tonight, and the game is an hour and fifty minutes, and Tampa loses one to nothing, you're pissed on the way home for sure. You come back tomorrow night, and Tampa Bay wins fifteen to one. The game took four hours. <laughs> You're happy on the way home. (laughs) I mean, that's the way it is. And most most people who go, you watch baseball today. And I live in Vegas. And I watch two or three games a day. I'm getting ready on April 1st when the season opens. And you, you, you just, you watch these games. And when they pan in with the TV cameras, what are people doing? They're doing one of two things. You know what they are, right? What's that?
0: scratching the drinking
2: they're talking on the phone yeah they're talking on the phone or they're eating and drinking yeah yeah that's true it, it, it needs to be my advice up. to fans if you're gonna go to the game go to see the game don't go to have dinner <laughs> have dinner at home because it's cheaper <laughs> the, the only the only people who complain about the ticket prices of a baseball game are the guys who will go there and have three hot dogs and four beers <laughs> yeah
0: yeah he's right
2: nobody can afford that every night no sir. one times. No, sir. That's... If You got three kids with you. Oh, they got to have popcorn. They got to have peanuts. They got to have a hot dog. So you're going to spend $150 for concessions. Screw that. The people who love the, the most about fans and baseball are the concessionaires on rain delays. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody goes and gets something to drink or something to eat.
0: Yep. He's right. He's apt- there's nothing to do. do right. Sitting there,
2: watch it rain. You're gonna sit there and watch it rain. <laughs> At least back I'm in your day, they'd while.
0: slide on the tarp. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sit there and watch it rain with a hot dog in my hand
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a peat in your mouth. Uh, listen, yeah, man. Uh, I- God
2: bless. God bless
0: baseball. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the time and the insight and the honesty as always, Pete. I hope a ton of people come out to Ruth Eckert Hall. Uh, go to rutheckerdhall.net to get your tickets for this exceptional Sunday night with Bob Boone, Larry Boa, Greg Luzinski, Tim McCarver, and the legendary Pete Rose. It's going to be 730, hosted by legendary Philadelphia Phillies broadcaster Chris Wheeler. Always great catching up.
2: And, hey, uh, please, please yeah. don't, please don't call Chris Wheeler legendary. Please, don't start this. Hey, don't start this banquet off with that stuff, okay? Because we'll set, Hey, because those guys you mentioned, we'll set that straight real quick.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. The barely adequate broadcaster, Chris Wheeler. How about that, Pete?
2: <laughs> we'll have a We'll have a lot of fun that night. If you're a Philly fan or a baseball fan, I'm sure you'll enjoy the night because we got some funny guys on this stage. Yeah,
0: yourself included, and uh, and thanks for the time. Continue good health to you, my man, and uh, and thanks a lot. I always appreciate talking to you, Pete.
2: Go Bucks! Go Bucks <laughs> yeah. indeed.
0: yep. Have a great day. All right, we'll see you Sunday, Pete.
2: All right, all right, buddy. Take care. You and too, man. Bye bye.
0: He's cool. Drew up live. Who are you? Hey, how's it going? My name's Steve. Steve, what was the uh, food item? Uh, hot dog. Incorrect, sir. Oh man, blew that one. Drew up live. Hello, who are you? Ian, what the food item we were talking about? What the food item? Pete's
2: chocolate drink.
0: That's absolutely correct. That's one we were looking for. Congratulations. You're going to see Pete Rose, Larry Boa, Bob Boone, Greg Luzinski, and that loser Chris Wheeler. I just That's <laughs> for Pete. And Chris Wheeler uh, this Sunday at 730. Tickets are limited. They are on sale now. The event will be held at 50% capacity, and you and a guest are going to go for free. Just hang on one second. We're going to hook you up with John Senning, who will get you the info. Okay? Thank you. You got it, Ian. His name will be at Will Call, I believe. Oh, okay, so I'm just getting his. Okay, yeah, just that. get his name and then
1: cool. send it over. Man, what a uh, what a great chat. Yeah, we we <laughs> probably could have gone another thirty minutes. He he didn't easily. see. He didn't seem to be uh, in a rush by any means. No, he easily could have gone more.
0: Uh, pr- shout out to field producer Todd Wright, who gave me not only the chocolate drink uh, factoid, uh, but the grand slam one as well. It makes sense when you think about it, because if you got the pitcher hitting in front of you, you're not hitting with yeah. the guy on base <laughs> a lot. Yeah. But still, you would think with over 4,000 hits, a good amount of those would be grand slams. Derek Jeter, also one grand slam in his entire career, which I believe Jeter might have been the leadoff hitter, too. Wow. Pete Rose, if you need him. Jacob's Jukebox Jeopardy is next. Join us as we challenge and test the ability of Jacob two times to identify songs in a quick manner. John, who will Jacob
1: two times be competing against today? Well, he'll be trying to get retribution because I, I I believe the last time he faced Drew Garabo, you won. So he'll be looking to right that wrong shortly. Some wrongs will
0: never be righted. Jacob's Jukebox Jeopardy and your chance to win more Cats and Prizes next on Drew Garabo Live. You know what you're paying in your auto loan right now? A lot of people are unsure. They think it's just too much hassle to check or refinance. You can get rates as low as 1.89% APR for a refinance or buy a new and used vehicle. If you're trying to save money, refinancing your car, boat, SUV, motorcycle, whatever you got is a great way to lower that monthly payment. You might be paying 7%, 8%, even 9% or higher for your car loan. Don't keep paying that. It's so easy to refinance through Achieve a Credit Union. they got a whole website set up for it, and it's refiandride.com. I went through the process of getting my son a car. Uh, He's paying for it, not me. And we got the loan through Achieva Credit Union. The whole process was so simple. And then they just give you this thing to print out and bring to the dealership so you don't have to deal with all of that rigmarole and red tape in the finance department. You just bring them what you got from Achieva. They go, oh, we work with Achieva. Boom, you're out of there and on the road in your new vehicle. com. But if you want to talk to someone, you can go to a branch or call 844 231 5904 or check out achievacu.com Achieva is federally insured by the NCUA. APR is annual percentage rate. All loans subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions apply.
2: It's Drew Garabo live on 102.5 The Bone.